meaning we've moved into to directed energy weapons, which are being used in mind control. So you have the, the MKUltra group that has started early on, um, and then you now are graduating into uh, targeted individuals that can be picked out um, at any point during their life and worked remotely. And it's my contention, based on personal experience, that at that point, the entities are attached and or enter. And can, in my case, they're the first line of handlers for alternate personalities. Uh, the physical is the second line of handling. And so this, to me, is a very esoteric science that's actually been around for epics. This is just the new version um, in our time in this era. Carbon-60, or C-60, first gained notoriety back in 2012 from a study that increased the lifespan of rats by a whopping 90%. Since that breakthrough study, scientists have conducted thousands of studies showing C-60 not only has a very real potential exciting lifespan, but it also has been shown to be better than any other substance ever studied to reduce inflammation, eliminate free radicals, provide powerful antioxidants, and more. After the famous rat study, scientists at Live Longer Labs realized a human, not industrial formula needed to be made. That's when they set out to be the first lab in the world to focus on what is best for human consumption of C60. This led Live Longer Labs to pioneer a high quality, 99.9% .9 pure C60 refined without solvents in oils that work best for humans, and that is black seed oil. Look it up yourself. Black seed oil has been known as a universal healer for millennia, and more modern studies confirmed its benefits as a potent antioxidant and for anti-inflammation. Simply, it's not like other oils. It's better. To try this amazing product, go to sarahwestall.com under shop. Remember, members of Ebeneer save 10%, and all listeners can save 5% using the coupon found at sarahwestall.com under shop. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Elisa Weeks coming to the program. She's an MK Ultra survivor. Third generation, maybe fourth generation, we talk about it and what that means. They have different techniques now than they did when Kathy O'Brien or some of the famous MK Ultra victims came forward and talked about their experiences. And MK Ultra isn't what they call it anymore. They have different names. It, when they came forward, you know, there were Senate hearings and so forth, and they acted like they shut down the program. Well, they never shut it down. They just changed the name and went darker. But we have so many victims coming forward, and they are telling their experiences. And Elisa is one of those victims, but she really went deep into how she has been trying to deprogram. I really like her. I think she's just a kind, great soul. And she's trying to tell others what's happening. So many people are locked in this system and they can't get out. And she's helping people. A lot of people are suffering in private. Most people are suffering in private. But this gives you an amazing insight. What she shares, she has a book that she wrote, MK Ultra Then and Now. I have a link where you can get it below. She shares her unique journey through this process and how she went through deprogramming. 
And I decided in the middle of this, I was going to talk about her real detailed experiences. And what I decided is I want to talk more about the spirituality aspect of it because she has thought so deep about it and so hard and really worked to figure this out. And she has insights I've, I have really haven't heard from others. And so I stayed on that first. I have her coming back next week and we're going to do another long series and we're going to do more. I just find her very fascinating. Her book is fascinating. I, she gave me an 800 page, over almost 900 pages of two books she put together. And I've been reading through it. It just amazing. The actual book she just put out now, the new book, is really a compilation of the two that she updated and is more accurate. She explains it in this interview. But I got to tell you, this is a long one. This is a two-parter. And then I have her coming back to do more later because I want to dive more into her actual experiences. This we get into experiences too, but it's really spiritual. And I found it so fascinating. And her story is so fascinating. We're going to talk more about it when she comes back. I hope you listen to this whole show and then you also come back for the next part that I'm going to put through is she's just an amazing person. So before I get into that, I want to tell you, I did a show last week on analyzing the Brunson case and man, did I trigger some people. Holy buckets. We talked about how the fact that DC was empty and I had all these people telling me, well, not all, I had a few people contact me and tell me I was spreading this information and that DC is really busy. And so they sent me a link to this guy. I have his link below. And then others sent me a link to another person. One says, walks around DC and says it's really busy. And another one says that it's totally dead. And they look like they're videotaping what's going on, videoing what's going on. Obviously, both scenarios can't be true. One is true, the other one's faking it. And so what I did is I put out a plea to everyone, all my listeners, and to see who actually had firsthand experience walking around D.C. or seeing D.C. as being empty. Because people say that Biden's not really in the White House and it's actually padlocked from the outside. Well, I've heard many people say they've had firsthand accounts of that happening. Whereas I only heard one at this point of the person walking around where it's really busy. Of course, the mass media also claims it's really busy, but I don't trust anything they say. I mean, look what they did with COVID. They totally lied about the whole scenario. And so what can we trust with them? We, we can't. And so I, I'm just, I have that plea out there and I triggered a bunch of people just even asking. I suppose I'm supposed to just listen to what people say, the, the people that say that it's empty and just go with their word. Uh, just so ridiculous. I do think it probably is empty based on the fact that more people have come forward saying it is. I haven't personally experienced it. I didn't personally firsthand see it. So that's why I'm asking but we have to question everybody. And I, I've had really triggered some trolls out there who want me to not question the patriot side of it and act like I just, everything is real on whatever I hear. And I just won't do that. I need to question everything and come to what the real truth is. And so much that is written on all sides of this is not true. And so you really have to dive in and figure out what's really going on. And that's why I like to talk to people firsthand. I like to see firsthand experiences on what's happening. That being said, Elisa Weeks is a firsthand person when it comes to the MK Ultra program. And I think you'll really enjoy this conversation that we have. 
And so the last thing I want to tell you is go to my website, sarahwestall.com, sign up for my newsletter because I write articles and all sorts of things. I keep telling everybody to sign up and also subscribe. If you're listening to this and not subscribe to the platform, please subscribe. I'm trying to get my numbers up and trying to get this information out there because I am censored like everybody else, but I just feel so targeted and I would like to really get this information out to people. Okay, let's get into this really good long two-parter with Elisa Weeks. Hi, Elisa. Thank you so much for joining the program. Good morning, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. I have been reading your book. I got to be honest, because you sent me the 891 pages, which is what you're originally working on. So not the final, um, which is a combination of all of it. And so I haven't gotten through all of it, but I got to tell you, it's one of the most interesting things that I've read in a long time. And I think the audience will find it is not only just interesting, but important. It's, this is important information. Uh, you have been a victim of MK ultra, but this book goes deeper and wider into it than anything I've seen. But one thing that I it first said, and I, I want to get this out of the way as a question that you talk about for the like Kathy O'Brien being a first, um, being a first MK ultra and you being a third MK ultra. What does that mean being in the, the third, you know, evolution of MK ultra? What's the difference? Well, um, actually that was a classification by Ilana Freeland who wrote the forward. Um, that's how she views it. Like there's different generations. I generally refer to, I agree with her. I agree. I don't know exactly if, if that's 100% accurate as far as my generation. But in other words, I mean, I look at it as it goes back to like Marilyn Monroe, um, Candy Jones, um, and then we get into people like Kathy O'Brien and Bryce Taylor, uh, Kathleen Sullivan. They're almost like second edition or second generation. You might even be fourth I generation. So. I yeah. believe so. And um, so, I mean, I think it's pretty valid that I'm uh, third generation is roughly, roughly accurate, meaning, um, you know, it used to be decades, like what decade you were born in, pretty much, you could narrow it to a decade. But now with the advancement of technologies, things are moving a lot faster. Okay, so what does that mean, though? So Marilyn Monroe might be one of the first versions Kathy O'Brien might be in the second, or she may be in the same as Marilyn Monroe. I, I guess I don't know. I think, she, I think she'd be later. Yeah, I think like Marilyn Monroe and Kathy, uh, Candy Jones are probably roughly around the same time. Candy Jones may have been before Marilyn. Um, and then, yeah, I would say Kathy was, be, it was beyond that. She was in another generation. So you being in a later generation, maybe fourth or third or whatever, what does that mean? What would you say is the difference between the generations? Um, technique, although, uh, you know, all of us fall under what I would call if you're if you're MK Ultra, and I know that term is supposedly obsolete, but it, it's a general term. Um, if you started if they started with you from childhood then to me that qualifies you as an MKUltra victim as far as um, trauma-based mind control, which I do believe will continue, um, mainly because even though the technologies have advanced, um, hands-on trauma-based mind control, I think is something that uh, these psychopaths, these sadists enjoy. 
So I think hands-on will always be, but what I mean by the generations is the technologies utilized are advancing and they don't necessarily have to do the same thing they did with say Kathy O'Brien or even me, unless they want to, meaning we've moved into direct to directed energy weapons, which are being used in mind control. So you have the, the MK Ultra group that has started early on. Um, and then you now are graduating into uh, targeted individuals that can be picked out um, at any point during their life and worked remotely. So, so there's a couple different categories here. And one thing <laughs> that I remember reading is the difference is that you, the difference in the later, it's much harder to be deprogrammed in these later versions than with the earlier versions because of how they went about doing things. Is that yes, accurate? What and you it is. And I mean, remote technologies, which I'm familiar with as well, I kind of graduated from trauma-based mind control. I was moved through because of when I was born and, and as the technology shifted. I also remote technologies were used on me. And as, as far as I can tell, um, I believe that began in the late 70s for me. So sometimes I had a physical handler and then it graduated into not necessarily needing one. Um, and of course, I'm going to just throw this out because it's such a pertinent part of this. Um, and, and I'm a big advocate of this. There's a very spiritual aspect to this so that um, malevolent entities are utilized in this as well. Whether you're talking about trauma-based mind control um, or the remote technologies, and, and this, I'm a big proponent of this, that without that aspect, there really isn't a programming that takes hold and, and, and works throughout a person's life. So why would, why would you say that? Why, why does there have to be this other entity to make it work? Because um, that's how, I guess that part of the, that's how I see the world based on my personal experience with this, um, that that the entity aspect is something that isn't just utilized, in other words, uh, like rituals and so forth, isn't just utilized just to traumatize, which it does traumatize tremendously, but there is a an actu actually real aspect to these beings that access a person under severe trauma and torture. In other words, you're opening up, um, I know this is getting deep right away, right? That's you're okay. opening up the subtle bodies um, as well as the physical body. You know, you have the physical body, you have the etheric body, the astral body, the ego, these various subtle bodies. And it has been shown, um, even with research, that can photograph um, kind of the aura around the body that with the trauma and torture, it, it actually creates holes in this. And it's my contention based on personal experience that at that point, the entities are attached and or enter. And can, in my case, they're the first line of handlers for alternate personalities. Uh, the physical is the second line of handling. And so this to me is a very esoteric science that's actually been around for epics. This is just the new version um, in our time in this era. You said that your brother and father were part of the early programming of you. Were they also programmed? Yes. 
yeah, I'm 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 also a big advocate of you don't get a perpetrator without uh, victimization first. This you know to me we're not we're not born with this inclination. I mean we all have a, a double so to speak. Uh, you know the some people talk about the angel, good angel on one shoulder and the, the bad angel on the other, and I I know that's very real. But this is this is training. This is programming. This is um, so. A lot of the, to me, a lot of the programmers or controllers or handlers, I have kind of a tier of people in there, um, uh, they're victimized first. Um, that's how they're brought into this. So, uh, so it's yeah. a whole network of programmers, of, of abused people programming others. That's my belief. And it, I'm not, I'm not taking out the um, responsibility of, um, I'm not condoning that, you know, this is, this is something that is out of their reach. I mean, it's, it's each of our, our responsibilities to um, do the right thing. But um, I do believe that in most cases, I'm sure there are a lot of psychopaths and sadists out there that just um, through some form of trauma, not necessarily being programmed in their youth, you know, get on board with this. But this is very common in, in the family lines that, um, that perpetrate this. So this is a common aspect of it as well. Yes, it, it seems that they have a... Now, is there anybody that's involved that isn't programmed? I mean, they just enjoy it and they're doing their Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Um, but something, to me, something has taken over or access them prior to um, their being uh, complicit in this and even desirous of this. So, uh, you know, I, I just believe that the very deeply that the spiritual aspect, the esoteric aspect, the culted aspect of this isn't really as common as us talking about the physical science of it, yeah. uh, whether that be trauma-based mind control or, or the remote technologies. It's my opinion that the, the entities actually ride the technology. They They're actually the controlling everything pretty much. And that the yeah. humans are just a vehicle for them to do their thing. Right. And so, so they're our, not our really go ahead. Our technology now is, is an avenue. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. And technology isn't, um, isn't evil in and of itself, but in our current state of consciousness, societal consciousness, global consciousness, individual consciousness, um, I believe very strongly, I know this, actually, I'll go so far as to say I know this, that they ride the technology, they're riding the frequencies, which is why the remote technologies, the directed energy weapons work in the way that they have been. So can you tell if somebody's programmed? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, it's, it's, it can be really hidden. Um, it can be really hidden. But yeah, I can. And for me, it's not so much, um, I mean, there can be particular things about the eyes or the bodies or the way they move. And it's not that I can really even describe it, but it's also um, a, almost as if you're picking up a frequency. And again, um, I'm not the first to, to talk about this. It's just some of the people that have talked about this years ago um, have been relegated to, um, you know, oh, that's a fundamental religious view. Um, and one of those was a man named Russ Dizdar, who passed, I believe, last year or earlier this year. 
And he did incredible work for decades in this from, um, from a um, very religious, fundamental religious viewpoint, but he worked with numerous, numerous um, victims. And when I read his book, as a matter of fact, um, was it Black Awakening? Um, it's, it's about uh, super soldiers and um, kind of an apocalyptic, chaotic time. Uh, but when I read his book years ago, it was the first person I found that even used the same language that I used to describe what you encounter when you you are involved with with a um, with a person who's programmed, and it's a very very strong energetic in the room, um, in their aura. You feel you literally feel. Um, in, in my case, you can feel the entities. Uh, because the so entities are using as... them okay so you you think the aura that you're feeling is the entity not necessarily absolutely absolutely okay. i mean uh, there's no no uh question to me that when i was under full programming and out on task as i call it in other words an altar is taken over i'm under a certain program i'm out there performing it there's no question to me that that's probably the equivalent of possession okay at that point and and yeah now uh, you you've had the book is just amazing with everything that's in it and what they have you do and you're you're making a connection as to what's going on now in the world how many when you when you're watching like presidents for example how many of them are controlled oh tremendous amount yeah yeah i think um and I'm not sure, you know, again, which category they fit into, if this began at birth for them and it's been, you know, all this, all these years, or if I think remote technologies are doing a lot now in, in the respect of, they really don't have to come in hands-on everything, meaning uh, reading all your brainwave frequencies, your um, EEG, you know, the heart, the nervous system, it can all be run into an AI system and they can start influencing and controlling from a distance, especially if someone is um, not grounded, not uh, connected in a, in a good way spiritually, uh, not self-aware and not aware of the technologies. I think one of the biggest issues is people do not know what they're capable of doing with these technologies. That's right. And that's a dangerous thing now because this, this really is a system that can reach anyone, anywhere, anytime. This is global. Is there certain people that you said that if you're if you're spiritually grounded, they can't reach you? Because I've always been questioning why certain people are so affected when things are so obvious and other people are immune to it. Is that because of the spiritual grounding or there's just something? Uh, why? Can you tell us why well, that is? Well, I, I feel like... Um, it doesn't make you invincible, okay? This is the way I look at it. There's the, the spiritual aspect, there's the physical aspect in the material realm. Um, and this is what I tell people, they will always outgun you. In other words, their weapon systems are beyond anything you can, in the physical material consciousness, you can really combat. The way I see it, and this, this was a process for me in deprogramming, coming to the realization that I'm up against something that's much bigger than me in this world. But what I came to was 
my job in this life is to extract my soul and my spirit from their control. And that's sovereignty to me, meaning if they want to hit me with a remote weapon, they can do that, but they don't own me. They don't own my soul or spirit. And I'm sovereign in that way. So for me, what happened is I lost the fear of them. I lost, um, <clears throat> I, I stopped seeing them as all powerful and that I was disempowered. It became um, and I remember the moment um, in deprogramming when when there was a lot of remote stuff going on. And I remember the moment of thinking, I'm the watcher now. So to me, it's a combination of educating ourselves, um, totally being willing to face whatever is reality going on around you at this time and what has been and, and what could possibly be in the future. And I think what's what's disempowering a lot of people <clears throat> is the fear of what they're going to find if they look. Um, and, and I think we're at a time now, Sarah, that we can't be that way anymore. No. Uh, we have to face it all and we have to come to understand it. And the good side of this is, yeah, it's, it can be overwhelming. It can be disheartening, <clears throat> but when you move through it, the empowerment and the, the sovereignty that's available on the other side of that is to me the solution. Um, it's not about the, just the physical aspect of what can I do? That's an important part of it. There are things we can do physically in our, in our surroundings for ourselves and our bodies, but the mind and spirit aspect is, is to me the true freedom. And, and to me, that's the age we're living in is remaining human. That's right. It's a, it's a challenge for us to remain human with all the power that they have. Now, can you, you said that you can tell who is programmed and things. Um, can you tell that there are psychological operations and people who put themselves out there to be helpful, but they're really just programmed? Can you feel that too? Yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's um, and when I first entered what I called deep deprogramming, um, I was blown away. I I I described it as I I entered a minefield, and um, you know, on I had no idea. I thought there was going to be uh, safety and um, somewhat of a community and support. And when I did this, which was years ago. <clears throat> over a decade ago it, that it began, um, it was, that's not what I found. What I found were um, a lot of people were sent um, over the course of years uh, as potential handlers, as, um, as potential reprogrammers uh, to gain access. Um, and then the, the aspect of for someone who's been a lifetime MKUltra, even to get try to get myself to take myself out. Um, so yeah, there's a there's a lot of people out there that are not to be trusted. But discerning that is is a trick, especially if you're dealing with your own programmed mind. And there has to be um, there has to there's a process of I called it kind of breaking through the veil 
when you start to get a sense of, um, and there's ways to do this. I, I do write about this in the second book, uh, some of the processes that I used in deprogramming that helped me gain a sense of empowerment over my own mind. And, and a lot of that was being able to see um, with recording a lot of information that was showing up um, through my altars and so forth, being able to see patterns and so forth. And it gave me a sense of, um, a sense of I was taking back my mind. And once that begins, it becomes easier and easier to discern who's who, but that is a process. It's not an easy one. I'm not a big, I'm not a big proponent of, of so-called deprogrammers. Um, my view, and this is just my personal view, is that um, unless someone was to come forward and have a, you know, find Christ, so to speak, and come forward with all my codes and triggers and systems, um, I don't trust anyone else to know what needs to be released inside me, what needs to be changed. Um, so it really fell to me to do that with a support system, meaning having people that I could talk to that were safe. And I did have two to start with and then down to one who stuck with me for the first year and a half, two years. And I could speak anything to this person. Um, and it was just, it was helpful to be able to get it out and to get it recorded. Um, but I just don't trust that someone on the outside of me coming in to do that uh, has the ability to do that. Uh, That's partly true, because yeah. I do see this as a spiritual, it's a spiritual process and it is globally now, it's a spiritual process. Um, I think we can, those of us that are even partly awake can see that there's there's things happening that are um, very malevolently aligned. So that yes. brings it into, you know, a spiritual aspect as well. Well, okay. So this is just so fascinating. How does a regular person who hasn't been through, well, I suppose, first of all, do you think everybody's been through a little bit of MK ultra programming at this point? Well, I think, um, I think they're utilizing for sure globally and have been for a long time, but on a new level, they're utilizing traumatizing society. Um, they know this works, uh, and they just keep rolling it out. And that's exactly what they did. You know, in other words, people like me are a microcosm of the macrocosm. And it's funny, Sarah, because when I first began deprogramming, I had this altar that shouted from the rooftops. I mean, to anybody who would listen, they're coming for all of you. This is they, what they did to me, they're going to do to you and they're going to do it in mass. And she even saw and understood that it was the technology that was going to be the main venue, um, which is includes mainstream media, uh, advertising, you know, Hollywood, yes. um, the political arena, and really all that is coming to us through our technology. And so I do see that there is an aspect of mind control programming, trauma-based mind control that is occurring globally. However, the masses are not under total control yet. We still have a choice. We still have the ability to, um, to extract ourselves from that ridiculous narrative that is going on. Um, so we haven't hit the total control aspect, but they are utilizing uh, method that they used on individuals for many decades now. 
they're trying. Well, it, it, these entities that are connected, are they not more advanced than us? I mean, because we have to build up this technology or they're building up a technology to be able to do this. So are these entities not more advanced? I mean, you would think they already had all this technology, but they don't. Well, <clears throat> I don't believe what's the saying, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. I don't believe this is necessarily something new. I think this has been in different epics. Um, there's been variations, maybe even attempts to do this. Um, I see this from a very, very um, large view, overview. Um, and that has to do with my spiritual practice. Um, and what I see is they want and need this for reasons I won't try to get into um, is that's just probably bigger than me to be able to say, um, but they need to, to have this happen on the physical plane. There's a reason they want this to occur in our physical material reality. And as far as the malevolent beings that I have encountered who are, were a very significant part of my programming, um, they are extremely intelligent, clever, far more clever than we are in the consciousness that we're existing in right now. Um, so to me, that's why there is that progression that we see, um, that we seem to not be able to bring to a complete halt. Um, as people talk about, I'm sure you've heard this, in the black technologies, meaning the underground technologies, they're 50 to 100 years ahead of what's yeah. on the surface. Well, it's the same way with, in relation with the entities. They're always several steps ahead uh, of us in understanding in their, their view and their ability to influence this world. Um, and so to me, this really, again, gets back to um, coming to a place individually and collectively, but individually first, being able to be sovereign, what that means for a person to be sovereign. Um, that to me is the extraction from the progression of this darkness. Um, it has to be understood first. You have to know what you're up against. How do you fight, how do you fight an enemy if you don't even know that it exists? Yes. That's and me. I don't mean fight as in combat, but how do you uh, rise above an enemy um, and extract yourself from its grip if you don't even know it exists? So I think we're in a time where the first step on a general scale um, globally is to bring this knowledge forward. I don't think we're at the point where people on a large scale are at the point where they're going to extract themselves. I think they have to learn first. And, and, and what I mean by learn isn't just taking in information. I mean, taking it in in a way that it changes you. It, it changes your thoughts, your actions in the world, what you think you're here to do or not do. Uh, we're, we're kind of, in a general way, the populace is, is kind of asleep. I mean, to yeah. me, it's about engaging, engaging our will, for example. Um, 
as I see society as a whole, and again, this is just in general terms, there's tremendous exceptions to this. I know um, amazing people who have engaged their will, but really most or a lot of people just get up during the day and they do this and then they do the next thing and then they do the next thing and then they they do the next thing and then they go back to bed and then they get up the next day and do the same thing all over again. It's like a series of actions and um, interactions in the world, but to truly engage our will engages critical thinking, it engages questioning, um, and it can very much affect what we do each day or each evening. And I, so I think we have a ways to go and, and knowledge, true knowledge and understanding of who we are, what we're doing here, where we've been, where we are now, and where we're, we're needing to go um, is, is, is that's the age we're in. And that's a lot according to Dr. Rudolf Steiner, who is, I'm, I'm a novice student of his, but he was one of the people in this era that uh, one of the few people that spoke to things that I had direct experience with, uh, views that um, fell out of the norm. And um, that was extremely, and still is extremely helpful for me to deprogram and to, to become a sovereign being. He said that when electricity started going, we had poles and things. He said that our human experience changed. We no longer could connect to this other dimension or it decreased quite a bit. And then as they continued on with even more technology, Wi-Fi, he wasn't around to say that, but others say that we have almost completely detached from what we're able to naturally see. Do you agree with that based on what I do. Um, I do in, doesn't mean that we can't get back there. Um, and I want to, I want to be very clear about that because I'm an incredibly faithful and hopeful person. The more I learn, the more I come to understand about not only the, the earth realm, but the, the spirit world that the two are inextricably linked. Um, the more, the more hopeful and faithful I am. So yes, this is true, but there are also reasons that we took this path. Um, my understanding, and again, I'm not going, definitely not going to try to explain Rudolf Steiner because he's way beyond <laughs> where I am. Um, however, we we're not in a wrong evolution. I don't I don't look at it that way. I don't look at it as uh, we've lost something and we're going, you know, we're, we're committed to the wrong path. I believe we have choice. I believe this time, Sarah, is an incredible opportunity, believe it or not, um, to choose to, to develop what Rudolf Steiner calls this, the, the, the epic of the consciousness soul meaning in my version, the way I interpret that is, this is a time where we have to face what is, we have to face truths, we have to come to understand things. And when I say this time, I mean, this could go on for many, many years, sure, um, hundreds of thousands of years, but this is the beginning of a time where we have to um, reunite with the spirit. So 
long ago, we were in direct connection to that spirit, but we were also not as individual beings as we are now. So our disconnect served a purpose for humanity to become independent and individuals. And, and my understanding is we're in the time now where we need to connect that back to the spirit world so that we have both of these things working at the same time. And there are also incredibly good forces that are working with us and always have been. We have access to that as well. Um, as we come to understand it on a very deep and sincere and disciplined level. Um, so it's not all bad, but the dark forces that I'm familiar with are, are very much at work. Um, in certain ways, their agendas are progressing. Um, and it, it really comes down to the individual first. In other words, I don't see this as a time yet where we're going to be truly united in a way that changes things. I think we're at the, the point of the individual. It's up to the individual right now. And then we connect, like me connecting with you and other people who are working it as well. But it, it has to come down to right now, every man for himself, so to speak. In other words, what are you going to choose? Um, are you willing to give up your comfort and your complacency the way life maybe has been for you because now is a time you have to choose something else? And the dark side, in my opinion, on a global scale is working very diligently to convince you, each of us, that it's okay. Everything's just as it's supposed to be. Everything's um, everything's normal everything's okay we're back to what was and to me there's been a tremendous change in the last five years yes. um right it's it's yes. not life is not what it was whether you see that or not yet is irrelevant because it has changed and there are many people who realize it will never be what it was and i have many friends who are still living the way they were 10 years ago five years ago and they're resisting that things are different. And I see some cracks in their, um, in their state of mind, in, in their ability to, to hold on to what was. They're trying desperately to hang on to that. And I think this is a time in the next, who knows, 10, 15, 20 years, where for a lot of those people, um, they're going to be forced into choosing um, to recognize or not recognize. A lot of people are going to die, which I think, and they are dying, and that's going to awaken more people as well, unfortunately. I mean, you trauma wakes people or changes people. Do you think that is part of this opportunity? I know it's awful, but chaos and you know, the trauma creates opportunity too. It does. And, and really, in, in, in my studies, I'm just beginning to find why or how and why and when, roughly, <laughs> um, evil came to be a part of, um, of, of our consciousness, of our, our, our ability to choose. In other words, it was brought in 
not as evil per se, but it was brought in as resistance. It was brought in as um, discord. And the reason it was brought in was exactly what you just said. This is my understanding that by bringing in the resistance, it enhanced humans' ability to choose good. In other words, when they chose good with that against that resistance, it enhanced the, the level, uh, the potency of, of moving into what's right, what's moral, what's, what's appropriate in the light. So I, I see what you're saying and I, I tend to agree. And that does, again, like you, it doesn't invalidate the suffering. And I don't mean to do, do that, that people are going to have to face and people are already facing it doesn't invalidate that at all no um but it is it is uh, an opportunity to wake up and when i say wake up i mean wake up to um everything there is to know about humanity about the earth how we got here uh, because these things are pertinent to where we go from here and i agree i think it's already happening as you said um the deaths, the, um, the disease, the deaths, the, the disabilities that are occurring. And unfortunately, the system that um, these psychopaths who are only the minions of, the, of these dark entities, all of them, they're just minions. Um, what they've done has been done, as you know, in a way that there are so many different repercussions physically that it's hard for the average person who isn't aware of what we're talking about. It's hard for the average person to put the pieces together, to link it up with, um, you know, the so-called vaccine or whatever. Um, in other words, it could be cancer fast acting, by the way, incredibly fast acting. It could be yeah. a heart attack. It could be a stroke, it could be um, uh, a, a very fast progressive um, nervous system disorder. So they've designed something that at this point is keeping people, they're, they're still guessing, they don't really know. And I do believe with time that this will start to connect up for people that it hasn't connected up for yet and that the numbers will be undeniable and i don't believe that mainstream media is going to be able to keep this you know a secret forever it's it's but i think their goal is to get as many affected before that occurs um and it is it is unfortunate but it will it will be a catalyst i believe it'll be a significant part of that yes okay now, I, you were talking about these entities being advanced. Do you think that, that this is a process that we've gone through, humanity has gone through many times, and that every time they go through and they knock us down, we build back up, and that's why there's so much, I mean, there's so much more advanced than us, and it's just whether we can beat them this time? I do. But I also see that I are, I'm starting to understand that each time it's different. Um, you know, 
each epic for humanity is a different part of our evolution. So it's never been exactly the same. Um, their, their efforts and or our overcoming is always different. Um, we're, you know, for example, Atlantean times, we're not the same beings that we were then. We're, we're, we're not physically the same beings. We're not spiritually the same beings. Um, Why? And so what's that? Why are we not the same? We've evolved um, and they changed us. This, or... is, this is the cosmology of, of, of Rudolf Steiner, of anthroposophy. And um, he speaks very specifically, very detailed specifics of, you know, how we've changed over each epic. And so, so I do see that this has come at us um, on some level over and over again. Um, and, and, I, and my understanding is the dark side has a limited amount of time. And when I say that as well, I mean, this is thousands of years. Uh, still to go, but they know the course of evolution, planetary and human, and they have a limited amount of time to succeed at what their their goal is, which is, you know, in, in very general terms, my understanding is they're extremely envious, some of them, there's several different ones at work here, um, envious of humanity, as well as um, desirous of, of wanting to be what humanity is. And um, they aren't able to uh, incarnate in that the same way that hum humans do, the human spirit, the human soul does. Um, so there is a, a time frame for them, uh, which is thousands of years down the road. Um, there will be a time when um, they won't be with us anymore. Those who continue to evolve organically the way as, as intended, they won't be able to be with us anymore at some point. That is my understanding. And it's a, a deeply held uh, belief at this point, um, something I have tremendous faith in. Um, but it doesn't allow for complacency or acquiescing to things now. We have to we have to step up. And that's, that's how I see this time. We have to grow, right? We, we have to grow if we're going to be able to get past that or if our offspring, because not all humanity is going to move forward. How the reason I'm asking you all this stuff is because you spent so much with your trauma and your exposure. You've had such a deep exposure to this, that, that I think this is relevant, helpful for people. I was going to go a different way. And I just feel that we need to talk about some of these things that people probably haven't talked about with you, or maybe they have, but maybe not on air. Uh, why do you think they have accelerated their plans? Um, you mean on the human level accelerated? Yes, because if from what I understand, they were supposed to be implementing this stuff from 2050 forward, but they accelerated to, to now. Maybe that's wrong. Well, Maybe that's false information. Well, you know, I I think that a lot of the so-called dates and so forth of of the documents and the the gatherings and the meetings and the goals, um, the way I see it coming from where I come from is in the black. They're so far advanced. I mean, 
they're so far advanced. There's things happening now to people in this world that I know personally that would blow the really blow the mind of of the average person. In other words, where they what 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 they've reached on the surface, what they're doing on the surface to certain individuals. For example, that, can you tell us, give us an example? Um, that would blow the mind. I have a more advanced audience. So okay. It maybe would blow their mind, but they would be open to hearing it.